Having been established in 1636, Connecticut is well one of the oldest states in the country, the sixth oldest to be exact. Connecticut, surprisingly to many, is also the birthplace of witchcraft in the United States, and is also one of the few states in the country where we are consistently unearthing and discovering brand new Indian burial ground. Welcome to the swamp my friends and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true stories sent in by viewers from the state of Connecticut. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the reddit r slash thedarkswamp. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, be sure to elbow that like button in the face, subscribe if you're new, it helps the channel grow, and get ready for these creepy and allegedly true Connecticut horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you know anything about me and this show, I love spooky season. And my favorite thing to do during this time is to go to haunted houses and abandoned buildings. Nothing gets my blood boiling more than exploring the secret passageways and discovering all the hidden scary surprises. But just like you wouldn't want to go to a haunted house and skip all the good stuff, the same goes for Netflix. Like, why would you want to pay for a monthly subscription but skip 90% of the good stuff on there? Luckily, with ExpressVPN, you can just tap one button to access all the best hidden shows on Netflix. If you didn't already know, Netflix has different content in every country. The shows and movies we get in the US are just a fraction of what they actually have on the platform. But with ExpressVPN, you can change your online location to make it look like you're in a different country. ExpressVPN has nearly 100 different countries to choose from so you can watch any Netflix library you want. So join me and many others in the swamp today. So get your money's worth and get three extra months of ExpressVPN VPN for free when you go to expressvpn.com slash swamped. That's expressvpn.com slash swamped. Expressvpn.com slash swamped. You can also find a link in the description. Tall Dark Figures by Anonymous. When I was around seven years old, I moved to Connecticut with my mom and my family. There were six of us total, into a big house. One day, while I was in my new room by myself, I looked over to see the door slowly closing. I just moved in, and now something is happening. Around two years later, I was over at my friend's house, who I'll call Katie for the story's sake. Katie was a good friend of mine, and we had always gotten along. When she was outside and I was playing with her younger brother... Katie has two younger siblings, a brother and a sister. Then out of the corner of my eye, I see inside the house that Katie's sister is walking by, with a tall, dark figure looming after her. I rushed to the door and swung it open to see Katie's sister walking out of the room, but just as I suspected, no one was even there, just Katie's sister. I was confused but not too alarmed. I mean, it was my imagination, right? Well, I guess I'd be wrong. Two years after that incident, I was over at my other friend Andrew's house. Katie and Andrew were hanging out in his basement, talking and listening to music. It was about 6pm when Andrew's mom yelled that the pizza had arrived. This was somewhat of a sleepover. Andrew ran up the stairs followed by Katie and then I was last. Turned to my left to see a hand sticking out of a doorway off in Andrew's basement. But Katie, Andrew and I were the only ones in the basement. I yelled at Katie to run up the stairs, and Andrew wondered why I was so terrified. Once back in the basement, I told them what had happened. 
We tried communicating with the spirit, and I felt something hard smack the back of my head. It's easy to say that we didn't sleep much that night. Andrew claims that his house is haunted since he felt someone's hand on his back with no one around, which could explain the hand we saw, but I'm not sure if anyone would believe us. Other things have occurred to me, but this is one of the scariest ones that I can share currently. Church Group Killer by Hopper Sir The year is somewhere in the early 2000s. My mother lives in the foothills of Connecticut, a little suburban town in the River Valley. Little does she know that one night something awful has taken place off the road known as Iron Horse Boulevard. The thing about Iron Horse is the fact that it has a well-lit path that runs alongside it for runners and bikers alike. I have biked and walked with friends after school there before. I still live in the same town, so that you know. But after this incident, I refused to go down there at night ever again. Let me explain. So a few years ago, a woman, a name I do not know, was running late at night on a well-lit path. She was jogging alone, a single woman living a happy life with a well-paying job for a tri-state insurance giant. No enemies, no ex-lovers, but a scream was heard. A couple of men are driving down the main road when a bloody body crawls up the iron horse. It's the runner. She had been stabbed, possibly multiple times, by an unknown individual in the night, either by an axe or a butcher knife. The police searched for some time. They suspected her boyfriend, who was at a pub a couple of miles away. Yet, I think he eventually was proven innocent. He wanted the killer caught, and the police did too. Yet, that's where the case goes cold. This person had committed a horrible crime and gotten away with it in our small suburbia. Fast forward to when I was probably in the 7th grade. This was about 15 years after the incident. It was something that haunted my mind since we had only just moved to this town. We had always been quite nomadic, living in places like New Haven to Barkhamstead, all around Connecticut, and now we ended up here as my mom's job was always making us move. We were in a small family-owned church group run by some friends. One day, and we went to my mom's best friend's house at night for a group session. As the 7th grader I was, I had my 3DS or whatever was that at the time, and wasn't paying much attention. But this guy, whom we'll call Derek, seemed remarkable. Derek was in his late 20s and maybe early 30s. He gave me a wave, and I sat down next to him. He was on his phone playing Angry Birds or some mobile game. But something felt off. Whenever the Bible or anything religious was brought up, he would always seem to fall asleep. Of course, everyone figured he was tired from working his late night shift at a grocery store a town over, so we didn't really bother waking him. Only as I was leaving did I overhear the pastor. Demons in the enemy usually make someone fall asleep when the Bible is mentioned as they don't want what they possess to hear the word of the Lord. My mom brought this up to me recently, and it is indeed something that people say is true. Mom and I saw Derek at the grocery store a bit later that week. He seemed normal besides his fascination with the knife section, always fixing it up and making it look nice, despite being a cashier. He checks us out, says hey, and we go on our way. He's nice. When will he be at our next church group? I asked my mom, who looks ahead and shakes her head. Derek stopped coming for a while now. Fast forward again a year or two. Derek and his friend, we'll call her Jen, a timid girl yet very polite, 
were hiking in their wildlife refuge near the town. They were having fun, although Jen noted that Derek seemed to be a bit off. He was nervous, shaking even, Jen said. They get to the middle of the woods when Derek takes off his hat and says, I have a confession to make, Jen. To you. Just for you. Jen turns around and faces him. Yes, Derek? Derek turns pale and his face goes from stuttering to stone cold. I killed her, Jen. Who? Who did you kill? That lady on Iron Horse all those years ago. It was me. I needed to do it. No woman moved me. What? You didn't even know her. Jen was perplexed and started walking faster, with Derek keeping up as they began returning to the car. I know, but no woman loved me. I needed to take out my anger. But I trust you, Jen. I love you. You're the one. We'll be together forever. You're mine. Jen turns and faces him to tell him he must confess to the church group's pastor that day, and the police won't be called. They head over and surprisingly, Derek confesses. Obviously, the police were called and Derek was put into jail. His reason for killing her in cold blood was that no woman loved him. He was a quote-unquote incel, as my mom puts it now. He was so angry he couldn't do it with any woman that he killed one. This made me mad. I wanted him to get a life sentence. I was angry at this man. This calm man who wore glasses, slept all the time, and worked his way into our lives was the Iron Horse Killer. I'm a junior in high school now, and I still think hearing about this story and all the wacky and surprisingly evil things that most normal people do turn me off from dating. Despite me being male, I'm just scared that anybody could be a psycho killer just like he turned out to be. The worst part about this story is that Derek never stopped sending letters to Jen from jail. He wanted her to be his forever. She was his one and only, and Derek was truly insane. Whether that be from the rumors of his dad doing devil worship or his anger issues, stay away. Go back to the hole you climbed out of. If you're on the internet researching this story and think it would be wise to reach out to talk to this person, I really don't think you should. The world will see the truth of this small town in Connecticut and what he did. The Devil's House by Anonymous Hopefully, some people listening to the story may know more about this place than I do. I tried to research it, but I can't get much of anything to pop up on the old Google machine. A little over a decade ago, I met and started dating a girl who lived in Tolland County, Connecticut. So I hauled my way up from down south for a visit. I know it's a bad idea to cross many, in this case, state lines for a relationship, but this was my early 20s, and I still thought I knew everything and that it would turn out differently for me. Spoiler, it didn't. Here in the South, we think of big cities and industries up North. I was honestly surprised when I got to her place and it was just trees, rolling hills, and even the distant mooing of cows. Now, I can't exactly say why, but despite all this familiar terrain, something inherently felt different about it all. This isn't something I can outright put into words, but there was something that enchanted me about the northern wilderness. I had to drink in as much as I could of it. I spent a lot of time dragging her through the brush. We explored some abandoned mills, found an odd ring of chairs in a clearing, and generally frolicked and had good summer journeys. Except for this one place we found. I don't know what it was. Maybe an old theater or roller skate rink. All I can remember is that it was painted black and had these murals of outer space scenes like flaming comets and ringed planets on the outside. 
Everything about the place seemed to scream the 1970s, but I might be wrong. Now, I'm a seasoned explorer of abandoned buildings. I've been into many so-called haunted houses and all kinds of historical places that urbex explorers just have to put on their bucket list. I'm used to the strange and sometimes even scary. Personally, I don't think you can live in the country and not have a tale or two. That doesn't quite add up. This place bugged me, though. It wasn't stereotypical like a cold feeling or an intense dread. It was more of like a feeling that something was just downright wrong. It felt out of place, and though it seems like it was just sort of a place I'd love to explore, it's to date the only area I have ever turned down. Here's the thing. I wanted to go in. I wish I had, but I simply could not try. Something about that feeling was so foreign and off that I literally could not compel myself to do anything but turn back. And that's just what I did. Maybe someone up here might know what this place was. I have tried digging it up and researching every few years, but I never get much of anything. The girl and I didn't last much longer after that, and I don't think she knew what it had been or what happened there anyway. As I said before, this was in the Tolland County area. Still, I also heard a saying from a bunch of folk up there, go about 30 minutes in any direction and you'll be in another state. So it's possible that the place was not even in the county, but it wasn't too far away. Does anyone know what this place was or perhaps why it felt so unnatural? Footsteps in the Woods by Anonymous My aunt has owned a large piece of land over a hundred acres in northwest Connecticut for many years now. Her property is primarily uninhabited in a state park and only frequented by backpackers. Her land is well off any main roads and we must drive through many forests to reach her house. She bought the land and remodeled the old house that was already built on it so that it was more livable, and visiting her has always been my favorite thing to do. I have been going yearly since I was a baby and have spent countless hours exploring the woods, creeks, and land around the house. We call it the farm, although it's not actually anything agriculture and there's no livestock. My aunt has rescued miniature horses, alpacas, and donkeys in the past, but... There's nothing really like that there now. I, I think there might be some ducks. The animals are on one part of the property anyway, where all the area has been cleaned out so they could graze, get fat, and be happy. The rest of the farm is untouched woodland. In the early 2000s, she installed a 12-foot fence around the property. Although it only encloses about 80 acres of the land she actually owns, she explained that she could not stand the sounds of the coyotes howling outside her window at night and that she needed to have some sort of peace, but she also had some creepy encounters while living there. Since I was a young child, she did not go into these details at the time. She lives alone, so I understand why she wanted to feel some semblance of security in those deep woods. We are initially from the bayous of Louisiana, so being in this environment was rather new for us. Despite initially being unfamiliar with the land, I eventually learned to navigate the area very well as a child. I had a few favorite spots and one was up a small foothill in the deepest part of the woods. I would go up very often. Eventually, a small path was established in the brush because I would go up there so frequently. I would show everybody my little oasis. In 2008, when I was around 10 years old, I took a summer trip to my aunt's and brought my best friend Alex with me. She and I often took trips together. This was not her first time accompanying me to the farm, but she wasn't super, super familiar with it like me. 
I remember being in the woods with her at my favorite spot, sitting together and listening to Katy Perry while playing Doodle Jump on our new iPad Touch. This makes me laugh to remember, but we were just trying to enjoy the nature while getting our fill of new tech, I guess. We were there for quite some time, enjoying ourselves and talking about random kid stuff. Then there was this shift in the air, almost like a suffocating stillness and silence fell upon the woods. I paused the music and looked at Alex, who was already staring at me with concern and worry on her face. We stayed still and silent for a minute, tilting our heads to listen to the woods and search for any unfamiliar sounds that normally crescendoed during the day and night across the farm. There were no birds, no summer bugs, and the trees almost seemed to be frozen in time. As if the light winds that normally rustled their leaves left us ultimately. It was a vulnerable, terrible feeling, and I knew Alex felt it too. Then began the sound of footsteps coming from even deeper in the woods. It took a moment for me to determine the sound, but the distinct rhythm of weight being picked up and put down on the leaves and brush was impossible not to notice. It was bipedal and heavy, coming up towards us from a steep slope down the side of the mountain. I remember thinking that a human couldn't move so quickly through that part of the woods since it was very thick with growth, fallen branches, trees, and rocks making it hard for even the most agile and small of children to navigate alone. It felt as if the woods lay still and wait while these footsteps made their way swiftly up the steep incline toward us. Do you hear that? I asked Alex in a whisper. She nodded. It sounds like footsteps. I continued. She nodded again, looking like she was about to burst into tears from fear. I took her hand and began running down the makeshift path with her, trying not to fall or let her lag behind me too much. We did not stop until we reached the house. I don't think we told anyone about that day because we were too shaken to comprehend what might have been out there. Sure, it could have been some sort of wild animal, but I guess we'll never truly know at this point. The next day, I asked Alex if she would return to the spot with me. She was very hesitant at first, but eventually did agree. I said that we could look for signs of maybe some sort of human or whatever animal may have been there. We made our way back to the spot, nervous but determined to discover what had invaded our little sanctuary. When we reached the spot, I looked down toward the direction we had heard the footsteps. I think I even slid down a bit to investigate possible indentations in the brush and leaves. I did not go too far because I was about to lose my nerve, and I hadn't noticed much anyway, so I quickly climbed back up to where Alex waited nervously for me. We decided it must have been some sort of animal or a deer despite every logical explanation indicating otherwise. I knew what deer sounded like, and this was not a deer, but I wanted to forget it and have fun again. We took our iPods out and began the same ritual relaxing and playing games while chatting about nonsense. It seemed that things were back to normal and in their natural order again. So we quickly forgot about the terrifying experience and let our naive, childlike wonder take over once again. After a little while, the stillness returned and it happened so fast it felt as if though the forest took a gasp and never exhaled. This time, the footsteps started almost immediately. They were louder and coming from a different direction. The best way I can explain their location is that they were in a similar spot to the day before, but somewhat more to the right where the forest was very dark, and the incline to the reach was a little bit less steep. I did not wait too long to run, but I was... I did not wait long to run, but it was long enough to realize that the sound was faster, closer, and definitely not a deer or a bear. I did not look into the woods too closely because I wanted to get the heck out of there, and I was way too scared to see whatever this was. 
I knew it was close enough that it would be on us any moment if we did not flee. So without a word, Alex and I took off and ran as fast as possible out of those woods. I'm sorry that this story might not be super exciting, but this was my first creepy experience in the woods. I have since had more as I'm an avid backpacker and love the outdoors, but the experiences on my aunt's land have always stuck with me because they are the most bizarre and inexplicable. If anybody has any ideas of what this could be, please comment down below and let me know. It still sends chills up my spine to remember this, this whole thing. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true Connecticut horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your encounter at swampdweller.net or on reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that genuinely help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to elbow that like button in the face so it really knows you enjoyed it, subscribe to the channel if you're new as it really helps the channel grow, and be sure to share this on your social media as it helps me reach new people. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast content online. I'd love to know your opinions about tonight's stories in the comments down below. I love to see the discussion and it helps me pick out better stories in the future. Be sure to join me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all the other social medias, and I'll see you soon with another creepy episode.